In Daniel chapter 10, verse 13, it says, But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Today we learn that Daniel has a pretty extensive skincare routine. This is day 18. Welcome to the Journey Through Daniel podcast, where every day we set aside space in our lives to experience God's Word. Together we'll discuss the content and meaning of each passage and how the book of Daniel can help us understand more about who God is and the story He's writing for each of us every day. Welcome back to the Journey Through Daniel podcast. I'm here once again with Brendan Lang hey, hey. and Stephen Kelly. Good to be back. From Chicago's campus. We are well on our way towards the end of this we're, study. We've we're got, drawn close. After today, we got two days left. I'm kind of sad, not going to lie. Yep. It's been fun, but I have a question for you. What's your self-care? How do you replenish? We're talking about Daniel's a little bit at the beginning, and he foregoes it. I don't want to spoil that. We'll get there. But what's your routine to stay replenished, stay healthy, stay excited? I don't know if it's healthy, but when I didn't have kids, it was Netflix. Like Netflix just, you know, was your replenishment? Well, that's what I'm saying. I don't think it really was healthy, but it was, it was <laughs> what I went to. <laughs> Fair. Any like typical I, things on Netflix? Honestly, my replenishment is getting out in nature. You know, Rachel and I did a little trip not too long ago to the Grand Canyon nice. and like just going to that place and seeing just the grandeur of creation. And it just opened my eyes to the fact that the struggles I experience on a day-to-day basis and whatever in life, they're significant, but they're also not significant. Yeah. The world is a lot bigger. The Grand Canyon is much older than you. And all it's, your a lot, it's a lot older. There, well, there's so many people there, but it's also just like when you see something that significant, like we shouldn't forget that God sees us and he understands our suffering and our struggles, but it also so is healthy to know that there's a much bigger story going on. The world is much bigger than us. There are many more people than us. And I feel like there's a healthy balance we need to have in life that I'm significant. I'm also insignificant. And sometimes getting out in nature, it puts me in tune with that bigger story, this meta narrative that I sometimes withdraw from. I mean, you could have also said eat a salad. But I, I do like the visual of you like going out into nature with a blade of grass just walking. I, there's no grass at the Grand Canyon. <laughs> I didn't say necessarily the Grand Canyon, just nature. Go back piece to of Iowa. Cactus. Yeah, hang out with Jenny the cow. That's right. It's a little throwback for you. What about you, Steven? I have a rooftop deck. Oh. So I get out there as often as I can, man, mm. and just nice. sit back, turn on some music. You know, I'm stuck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm stuck. <laughs> if it's 40 and above, I'll go out there with a coat on, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when it's raining, I'm wasting away. Yeah. <laughs> we should get you one of those like blow up domes you can sit in and have the hey. rain just pat around on the outside of it. Nice cozy drink in there or something. Be nice. I just like being uncomfortable. So my replenishment is probably travel, but I like to travel to places that make me uncomfortable. Shake it up a little bit. Like what kind of uncomfortable? Whatever. I just like to push my own like personal limits yeah. and see. Mm-hmm. Like that I feel helps me grow and feel replenished and not like I'm in a cycle of, I don't know, boring yeah. despair. That's not to say that yours is boring or despair. But <laughs> no, 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 I'm not saying that at all. You're good. I hear you. Like going to India was like replenishing to me in a weird mm-hmm. way. Yeah, I'm tired when I get back. So it's not like I'm catching up on sleep on those things, but that's a replenishing to me. But Daniel has some replenishment happening during a vision today. He doesn't have replenishment happening well i think he does near the end of it he does some, but not in the traditional ways yeah uh, right right it's a little bit more miraculous yeah. than just the standard self-care or like a skincare routine but to find out more of that brendan why don't you take us through our commentary for today day 18 supernatural warfare 
Today's reading includes an extended introduction to the final and longest vision in the book of Daniel. It begins with Daniel seeking a message from God through the practices of prayer, mourning, and fasting. As we've seen God do so many times in this book, he responds to Daniel by sending an angelic messenger. But this time, the messenger is delayed by three weeks, and for a strange reason. In Daniel 10, 12-13, the angel says, Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me twenty-one days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Here, the messenger reveals an important but difficult to understand part of reality. He reveals that beyond the material dimension stands a supernatural realm where spiritual beings fight on behalf of the nations they represent. The idea that spiritual beings represent different nations was common in the ancient Near East and is reflected in other parts of scripture. For example, Deuteronomy 32.8 says, When the high God gave the nations their stake, gave them their place on earth, he put each of his peoples within boundaries under the care of divine guardians. In this circumstance, a spirit fought to delay Daniel's angel because the message the angel brought was about the impending fall of Persia to the Greeks. In our modern culture, we don't talk much about the spiritual realm. It's clear, though, that biblical authors and spiritual leaders like Daniel, Paul, and Jesus often talk about this reality. So how do we live knowing this truth? We do not live by assigning mysterious spiritual causes to every event. The Bible warns us about this. Instead, we live and pray, knowing that not everything is explainable by physical realities that we can see. This should not produce fear in us, but confidence in the God we serve and the truth that Jesus has conquered the principalities and powers of this world. God's ultimate victory and supremacy in all things is already assured. For day 18, we're reading Daniel chapter 10 through chapter 11, verse 1. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel, who was called Belteshazzar. Its message was true, and it concerned a great war. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. At that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. On the twenty-fourth day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of a great river, the Tigris, I looked up, and there before me was a man dressed in linen, with a belt of fine gold, from Uphaz, around his waist. His body was like topaz, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude. I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. Those who were with me did not see it, but such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. So I was left alone, gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left. My face turned deathly pale, and I was helpless. Then I heard him speaking, and as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep, my face to the ground. A hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words I am about to speak to you, and stand up, for I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. Then he continued, Do not be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me twenty-one days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future, for the vision concerns a time yet to come. While he was saying this to me, I bowed with my face toward the ground and was speechless. Then one who looked like a man touched my lips, and I opened my mouth and began to speak. I said to the one standing before me, I am overcome with anguish because of the vision, my lord, and I feel very weak. How can I, your servant, talk with you, my lord? My strength is gone, and I can hardly breathe. 
Again, the one who looked like a man touched me and gave me strength. Do not be afraid, you who are highly esteemed, he said. Peace, be strong now, be strong. When he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Speak, my Lord, since you have given me strength. So he said, Do you know why I have come to you? Soon I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go, the prince of Greece will come. But first I will tell you what is written in the book of truth. No one supports me against them except Michael, your prince. And in the first year of Darius the Mede, I took my stand to support and protect him. Stephen, you want to take us through our discussion questions for day 18? Day 18 questions. How much thought have you given to the reality of the supernatural realm? Does it intrigue you? Does it scare you? Are you unconcerned about this dimension? Why? Question number two. Daniel prayed humbly, fervently, and persistently for three weeks while he waited for an answer from God. Have you abandoned any of your prayers to God? What's keeping you from humbly, fervently, and persistently sharing what's on your heart with Him? Brendan, first off, why didn't we just read chapter 10? Why does it go into chapter 11, verse 1? What's up with that? What's up with that? I would say what's up with the chapter divisions here and the verse divisions here. And just to name it, the Bible did not originally come with verse and chapter divisions. Some, and titles either. And right? titles yeah. or subtitles. Those came along even later. Those aren't in any manuscript. The only manuscripts that come in are in NIV and translations like that. So some guy riding a horse in the <laughs> Middle Ages <laughs> went along and put, you know, what he thought was... Just so he could tell his friends, hey, did you read chapter 11? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, it yeah. starts in a weird place. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So these are not original. And basically, as you can tell from the NIV translation, actually, they have this parenthetical note that ends chapter 10, but begins chapter 11. That shows that there's a continuous thought here that we shouldn't be breaking up. So tomorrow's reading will pick up in verse two as the NIV understands the next section beginning. So today we kind of jump into another one of Daniel's visions, which turns out he has a lot of them. This is the final vision. This is the biggest one. Great. Actually, uh, it's not even totally the vision. It's just like it's the introduction to the vision, I'll say. The vision that is really ultimately revealed in this section of Daniel comes in chapter 11. So he has a vision of beings, but the content that the book wants us to understand to see of this great final vision that comes in chapter 11. So this chapter starts out with Daniel mourning, actually. That's the part where he foregoes his skincare routine, yep. his lotions. I'm guessing it's pretty hot in the Middle East. And so that was probably a regular thing for his... You've traveled in some of these areas. Yeah. I mean, I can imagine Daniel's trying to keep his skin luscious, but yep. not for these weeks that he foregoes that. Sorry, all of that to say, what's he mourning? What's he upset about? I'll say that this opening passage is a little bit strange, the sequence, but it seems to me that there's some sort of message or vision he gets that disturbs him. And for three weeks, he seeks God and wants to understand what God's trying to teach him. And so we talk sometimes about fasting, about seeking God. And what you see oftentimes in the Bible is that people, when they want to seek God and understand God, they'll assume postures of humility like this. And for him, it's kind of like earlier. Remember chapter one, where he doesn't eat the choice food here again, he's not eating choice food. And he also doesn't use lotions. And this is sort of a way of showing his fervency, his desire to seek God, to understand God. And yeah. 
I don't want to like get too much into the detail of like what actually happens today, especially since you said this is the introduction to a vision. And yeah. that's like what I said in like a couple of days ago. I was like, we shouldn't look at it super zoomed in. We need to see the whole picture before we make judgment on sure. it. But at the same time, we do introduce this interesting realm. And Stephen, I'm curious your perspective on this, because for people who have not read the Bible a lot, didn't grow up mm-hmm. religious or like are just getting into this, maybe this is the first time they've read the Bible. The idea of a spiritual realm or yeah. what do we say dimension is very weird and trippy how should we approach this or how should we think about this particularly if this is like the first time we're thinking about it for me as a devoted christ follower it's humbling because i realize and we was kind of sharing early about the grand canyon how insignificant we really are and how much we do not understand and so for me i mean it gives me a sense of humility that there really should be no dogma even in my limited finite narrow Mm experience. There's so much that's beyond my purview that I have to hold even what I think I know so loosely because there's things in other spiritual realms that I will never understand. I think for me that it just kind of shows how small or limited my knowledge or understanding is. We've talked about this theme of eyes to see, and it's like Daniel, he has eyes to see now of this realm that sort of stands beyond what he experiences. And he's not the first one, by the way. You know, other people have seen. Yeah, I mean, other people have seen this. And if he's a student of scripture, he knows this. He had a vision of this in Daniel 7, I think about it. So Daniel 7, it's a vision of the divine courtroom. So it's not the first time he's had it, but his eyes are continuing to be open to this other dimension. And as we talked about, I think that it's important for us to understand that there is this other realm and it's related to us in ways that are difficult for us to understand, I think. It's almost like there's what's happening on earth. And the picture we sometimes get in Daniel is that the things happening in the spiritual realm relate to that. There's a connection somehow. And so like here we have this image of this spiritual being who's fighting another spiritual being referred to as the Prince of Persia. And this spiritual being, I'm going to call him Gabriel. We don't know exactly who he is, but I'm inclined to think it's the same messenger we saw in Daniel 8. He's described as a man. We talked about how Gabriel means man of God. If he's Gabriel, he's fighting this prince of Persia, this spiritual being who sort of is a representative, you might say, of that nation. And later on, it talks about how he's going to have to go and fight the prince of Greece as well. And this compares to what we've talked about in Daniel 2 and Daniel 7, the sequence of kingdoms that would eventually emerge in world history on the ground, right? You had the Babylonians who were followed by the Persians who were followed by the Greeks. And so what's happening in the spiritual dimension relates to what's happening in the material realm as we experience it. And so, first of all, I'd like to take an aside. I would really love for my arms and legs to be described as gleam of burnished bronze. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? That'd be, that, I'm never going to peek. Send Christina yeah, right. next Valentine's Day. Yeah, right. Uh-huh, <laughs> sure. But I think it's interesting that this guy comes and is so profoundly humbling for Daniel. Yeah. That's the thing that really strikes me. And, you know, you see the other pieces of this throughout scripture. You know, Moses, when he saw God pass by, right? He was completely changed forever. And I mean, changed his face. Yes. Physically. And that was just the backside of God. Actually, I want to point out here, there's debate about whether what Daniel sees there is the same angel. So the being he sees there, is that actually the same angel he's experiencing later, who's touching him, who's giving him that self-care he actually needs that empowers him? Some people suggest that first being we see in verses four through six are described as having a belt of fine gold and body like topaz, face like lightning, eyes like flaming torches, arms and legs like gleam of burnished bronze and a voice like the sound of a multitude. That language actually sounds a lot like 
like the description of God that we get in Ezekiel. And so some suggest we have two different beings here that Daniel sees. He has this vision of God, and then later on he has a vision of Gabriel, or it could be that it's the same individual and Gabriel just has characteristics that are a little bit like God's. Well, and so this second being does have a lot of power, and this is kind of what I want to land on and chat about today, because there is this understanding that the supernatural realm is out there somewhere all around us or a different dimension, whatever, mm-hmm. however it exists. I like to think of it as it's around us and among us, and we just don't perceive it. It's almost like when you think about what the temple was, when you think about what the tabernacle was, these were places that you have this connection, almost like a portal to the spiritual realm. That's almost like how scripture describes Mount Sinai when God descends on it. It's almost like the idea here is that you have this portal where within the Holy of Holies, God, his presence is specially manifest, but we also recognize that God fills the whole earth. The earth is his footstool. And so I like to think of it as though it's all around us. It's all here. We just aren't necessarily in tune with it. And that helps make sense again of like this idea that what's happening in the spiritual realm is actually closely connected with what's happening on earth. I like to think of it as I was listening to a podcast just about eyes and vision. Mm-hmm. And you can have different cones in your eyes that you have a red cone, <laughs> yeah. you have a blue cone, and you have yeah. a green cone. And that's what colorblindness is, is when you're missing one of those cones. Actually, women tend to have more cones than men, mm-hmm. generally speaking. But different animals have different cones as well. You can get the cone for ultraviolet light. Uh, you can get the cone for like even more spectrums of light waves. So the way I like to think of it is like, imagine this is a cone, not a actual visual cone in your eye that like Mm -hmm. helps you see colors but there's a vision for a different realm ultraviolet light is all around us yeah we can't see it as humans but you know scientists have confirmed that that's a thing we get sunburns because of it and like knowing that it's around us helps us understand that there is something else going on and for me you can see it because of what happens to daniel near the end of just today's reading he is actually physically affected by the spiritual realm and this vision that he's having right he's looking at this man he touches him and gives him strength. He actually does this multiple times. Verse 16, the one who looked like a man touched my lips and I opened my mouth and began to speak. And we see it again in verse 18, again, the one who looked like a man touched me and gave me strength. Do not be afraid, you who are highly esteemed. Peace, be strong now, be strong. So he touches him multiple times, gives him strength and gives him the power to speak when he doesn't have it. Give him the words to say when he doesn't know what to say. So for Daniel, how does this fit into the overall narrative? You know, we talked a couple of days ago as well about like, this is an apocalyptic book, but it's also, you know, one way to think of it is like a political cartoon. How does this fit into the idea that this is a political cartoon for Daniel? And maybe we need to get further along in the vision, but... Well, I'll just say, if we move to the New Testament, Paul talks about how Jesus, he triumphed over the principalities and powers. You see this multiple places. You see it in Colossians, where it talks about how he triumphed against these powers. And this language, principalities and powers, it refers, I think, in some ways to both dimensions. It's referring to powers on earth but also powers in heaven, powers in the spiritual realm. So there's an overlap, but as we look to the New Testament, we understand that there's a battle going on, but Jesus has demonstrated his authority over them. We talked about how Jesus, the Son of Man, is installed as king next to the Father in that Daniel 7 vision, that Ancient of Days vision. He's been appointed as king over this divine council. And so even though there is still some combat that happens, even in the era in which we live, there's assurance that Jesus is the king, that he's the victor, and he's ultimately going to triumph in the end. So here's my question, I guess, out of all this. How do we interact then with this supernatural dimension, this like spiritual realm that we're acknowledging that is there, but how do we then interact with it? 
For me personally, I mean, I think about the history of African-Americans in this country and 400 years of slavery. I don't know how to conceptually, like, where is God in that? Mm. And how would God allow that to take place? But then I hear these kind of things, like, in the spiritual realm that God is continuing to extend his kingdom. And so it's terrifying to me because often it's like I can't see what's going on. I think about racism in this country right now as it's been a new kind of wave of vitriol. And I'm like, man, God has to see this. And God trusts that something... in the supernatural realm is going on. That in the end, like you said, Jesus conquered death. And so it gives me hope. But at the same time, it is terrifying because I'm just like, I'm not in control. And I also cannot see how this is going to turn out. But to know that God has assigned angels <laughs> to, you yeah. know, that sounds yeah. freaky, but it gives me hope because I'm like, something this has to intervene because I certainly don't have the human capacity to figure this out. Stephen, I'm just curious, like for you, you're a worship leader. You're also just like a pastor. You pastor people through moments. What's been your experience with this idea, this realm, this dimension, and helping people to either experience it or be a part Mm -hmm. of it? What's been your experience with it? For people who are struggling specifically, having them look back on moments in their lives where they did not understand and God actually brought them through and to be able to say, hey, that was actually God in that. And so kind of seeing them trace back God's faithfulness has been a great way of saying, okay, this circumstance that you're going through right now, like you've experienced things that have been beyond your control that God actually worked out. Kind of just trying to connect those dots so they may not be able to see it in the present, but they can look back and say, yeah, there's no way I should have survived that. Well, there's no way I could have endured that. I didn't have the strength, but somehow. Mm. And so I'm just kind of like God's posture is always good and God is always fighting for us. And sometimes we don't even understand it or we don't see it until after we've come through it. And then we'll look back and say, you know what? God actually had my back. And you can kind of see how things were orchestrated when you didn't understand. I feel that, you know, for me, it's I've had the experience that's rather fortunate. I haven't had a ton of hardship in my life, Mm -hmm. but even the difficult things that I've gone through, it helps frame the future, too. And it helps me go, listen, he's showed up in the past. I've figured this out. There's a trajectory that I'm on. I've always been cared for. That's not as easy to say for some people because they feel like they've been let down, you know, their whole life, right? That's true. But I mean, even then, you know, when we come to ourselves and we do some introspection, there are some things that we know that we've done that we didn't receive the consequences that we deserved. You know, so even if we've endured some things, there are some things that we've done to others that we should have gotten what we deserve and we did not. And so finding God's faithfulness, not only in what he's protected us from, but also what he's forgiven us from in ways in which we, it's kind of a both and. I think if you look Hard enough. You can see God's providence in your life. Oh, for sure. This kind of goes back to this whole theme that we've been talking about. You know, Daniel does have eyes to see this Mm -hmm. realm and he Mm -hmm. sees the effects like literally in front of him. And for us, it's easy to chalk it all up to bad luck or to chalk it all up to good luck or I worked hard or I was born in this family, so God must love me more or something like Mm. that. And it's easy to chalk it up to those things. But if you have eyes to see and, you know, attribute it to this realm of, you know, God's been at work in your life throughout all of it, it allows you the eyes to see the future and the experiences you have going forward with that kind of new lens. It reminds me of the book of Job, which begins with a scene a lot like this. You have God in his divine courtroom, and as readers, we are aware of that. Job is not aware of that. His friends are not aware of that. And the question in the book of Job is, is Job, he's presented as someone who's righteous. Is he going to continue to be righteous if good things don't happen to him? Kind of as you were talking about, Tyler, a lot of times the perspective of the world, this perspective certainly in the Israelites' world was, if you do good things, good things are going to happen to you. Do bad things, you're going to suffer the consequences. And that's proverbial. Scripture 
teaches that as a proverb, but it's not as a hard and fast truth. It opens up our eyes in the book of Job to the fact that Job was righteous, and yet he still suffered immensely. It was an argument against the way that proverb was worked out, you might say. A lot of times, people flip the logic. If bad things happen to you, you must have done bad. And that was not the case with Job. And so it does give us confidence today that there are things happening in the world that seem beyond our control. And those things may be related in ways to things that we've done, to the ways we've participated in this world, but they could be related to something totally different going on in the spiritual realm. And I think one of the challenges for us today, really a challenge we've seen throughout the whole book of Daniel, but also in this chapter specifically, is Daniel fervently prays to God. He doesn't give up mourning. He doesn't give up seeking God and assuming that posture of humility because he wants a response from God. And it's almost like prayers empower, you might say, these angels who fight on our behalf. And this is what we see in the book of Ephesians, where Paul talks about putting on the armor of God and this reality that there's a spiritual battle that we have to fight. And so we need to armor up and fight that spiritual battle. And I think one of the ways we do it is through prayer. What if our arms aren't burnished with bronze? (laughs) We're going to need some armor, right? And, right? And I think it defines my definition of success once again. If we're measuring God's faithfulness by whether we've had good things happen or bad things happen over and for a lot of trouble. Intellectually, yeah, it's hard not to separate Mm -hmm. God's favor from those material things. But even in Daniel chapter three, you know, where God stands in the flames. And I think that part has been a constant for me. I'm like, God is with me regardless of what I'm enduring. And, you know, when you have eyes to see in many ways, even physically, that can be a comfort in ways that material things could never be. Mm -hmm. And so for me, often suffering reveals that closeness or that proximity proximity with God, that he's there. I think, too, that there's a discussion question. You talked about Daniel praying humbly and fervently and persistently for three weeks. And there's something in that and like separating yourself and fasting and trying to seek what is God's truth. But there's also this in the moment dialogue that Daniel has that is really profound to me because he's having this overwhelming experience, very blown away by the spiritual realm and has the confidence to say, I am overcome with anguish because of the vision, my Lord, and I feel very weak. And how often when we're overwhelmed, Is it like, well, you know what? I'm alone in this. I'm not going to tell anybody. No, he just straight up lays it out. And then what happens? He's cared for. And it's like you talk about with Daniel 3, the Hebrew boys find themselves in the flames and they're cared for. And they had to go through the flames. God didn't <laughs> stop them from yeah. going through the fire, but God got in there with them and he took care of them. And that's this encouraging reminder that if we're honest with God, we're humble before God, we lay it all out before God, he's going to take care of us. I think that is a unique thing that we're able to do as Christians when we embrace this idea that there is another dimension is prayer. Like prayer is an interaction with this dimension, right? And, you know, you're talking to a God that oversees all of it. This dimension, that dimension, like all of it. He is the master of all creation. So that should bring comfort in and of itself that if you call out to God with actual needs and say where you're at, you know, that's an acknowledgement of your powerlessness and you're inviting that work in your own life, right? I think Psalm 23, those famous words, I pray that often when I'm fearful and overwhelmed, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. I've had to (laughs) say that over and over and over and over when I'm feeling tense and overwhelmed. And God's spirit supernaturally shows up. It's amazing. And it doesn't mean that he delivers me out of the situation, but I can sense God's presence for sure. Stephen, you mentioned just the history of slavery in this country and the experience of that and like even just questioning of how can God be at work when something like that exists, right? Mm -hmm. And it's super interesting to me that the songs that come out of that era, that desperation are called spirituals. 
Yeah, it's amazing. You know, I think of those songs. They did understand that there was something else going on. Still away, still away to Jesus. I ain't got long to stay here. Like, yeah. this is not my home. Mm. And so they could, in many ways, have eyes to see that God sees me. Yeah. I've got a robe up in that kingdom. That's good news. Like, wow. You know, that's the thing. That's organic. That's coming out of them. Because too often, religion is used for moral construction and to, like, yeah. promote a certain agenda. Mm-hmm. But things like that, you know, that was organically out of people's desperation. Yeah. For understanding, you know, what is happening to me and the reliance on God throughout it. So that's the super inspiring thing to me. And that's where worship comes in, right? Mm -hmm. It's that desperation and that understanding of like this other realm and needing to express it through some sort of art. And unfortunately, and I speak for myself, I don't access that until I'm in trouble, usually. (laughs) I'm just not desperate enough to really ask God to show up on my behalf until I've got myself into a situation that is beyond my control. I think it's the same for Daniel in this too, right? He's a pretty fervent and like steadfast guy, but he tells God or tells this being really what he needs when he's at his most weak and most desperate, right? And Mm. when he can't go on, all he says is, I am overcome, basically. I'm anguished by this vision and I can't move on. We saw it before too, when there was a decree that you couldn't pray to anybody except for the king, right? What did he do? He went and prayed three times a day. Not to say that he wasn't He was doing it before, but but that's what they made a point to see of, you know, when you're in desperation be steadfast in this and like welcoming the spiritual realm into your life on an everyday basis right and so i think that's our challenge it's for us but it's also for you as a listener it's recognize that sometimes we give up those prayers sometimes we stop speaking to god when we feel like we don't need god i think that's one of the problems with us as christians in america we don't have that desperation we feel strong on our own as independence and to your point Stephen, you know black americans african americans who were brought here they knew the story of daniel they could read this and see what this book is fundamentally about i think too often as american christians we can pick up books like this and insert ourselves in the story. And of course, we are all hurt in our own ways, and we also are all Nebuchadnezzars in our own ways. But too oftentimes, the story of Daniel has been co-opted by those who are in power. And, <laughs> and <laughs> the irony, really. You're re- really. And the truth is, when you're in those moments of suffering hurting, all of a sudden you see the plight of the people in Scripture, and you can perceive that message of hope. Trust that there really is someone who's in control. So my encouragement for you as listeners, I don't know where you are, probably a lot of people in a lot of different places right now in life, but don't give up seeking God. Don't give up praying to God. Don't give up putting yourself in positions of humility and assuming postures like Daniel. Daniel, who at this point in his life, he's elevated to the second highest spot in the kingdom of Persia. He still mourns. He still refuses choice food and lotions because he wants to seek God. And so instead of powering up, he powers down and says, God, I want to know you. I know this is the type of character you seek in your people. And so I'm going to physically manifest that in my actions, and I'm going to seek to understand you. And God shows up, cares for him, strengthens him, and reveals a vision to him, gives him eyes to see. I think, too, that you don't know what other spiritual battles are going on, too. So I think that what this allows you to do is have human empathy. You know, having eyes to see is often eyes to see God's creation and the people he's also advocating for. You come in contact with dozens of people, coworkers and family and friends, and it should give you eyes to see the battles and struggles that these people are desperately seeking help from. And they might not have eyes to see. So what is our role in being that for them? What is our role in seeing their place? light and using our power to raise up those people, the least of these who are powerless. Thanks for joining us today for the Journey Through Daniel podcast. 
If this is your first time, so glad that you checked us out. To check out even more resources, children and family resources, and ebooks for all ages, visit our journey page at willowjourney.org. And follow us for updates at Willow Creek NS on Instagram. If you have questions or would like to learn more about the ministries of Willow Creek Community Church, check us out at willowcreek.org. We'll see you next time.